Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Learning Podcast. And if you aren't sure, it's a Singaporean podcast dedicated to learning something new from every single guest on this show. And today, I have a very big guest. His name is Damien. Damien, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for finding me. Uh, I'm very, <laughs> to be honest, I'm always intimidated by every podcast because uh, Damien himself has achieved so much. Currently, he's the founder and CEO of Gympod. So I'm not sure uh, if you guys know, like I had... Uh, Peter, who was one of the first podcast guests as well, and we talked a lot about Gymport yesterday. But if you aren't sure, uh, Gymport is Singapore's first 24 hours automated container smart gym. Basically, if you are scared of going to the gym itself because you're intimidated by all the muscular guys, right? Um, you can actually book a pod, which is like a container, and just work out by yourself in uh, 30 minutes or one hour sessions. I've tried it myself as well, and uh, it's very nice and it's very efficient if you want to be, um, uh, if you want to really save your time. Uh, the thing that intimidates me about Damien, right? I feel like he's really a master. There's a saying, a master of all tricks. Uh, eh? Jack of all tricks, master of none, but he's apparently, he's involved in a lot of things when it comes to uh, mobile app development. I see that he has a lot of hustles. He was also the COO and CFO of Voyager Innovation Singapore Private Limited, uh, which was also known as Payware Private Limited, Private Limited, which was acquired as well. So I think uh, this guy is doing a lot of stuff. Uh, he he graduated from NTU, the Nanyang Technology uh, University of Singapore, studying banking and finance. So I'm just very interested in terms of this thought process of how he was studying as a, you would say, a normal undergraduate like every one of us. But I think that um, one thing that inspires me to make this podcast in the first place, right, is to really meet people who are creative. And I think entrepreneurs themselves are the highest level of being creative in a sense. They are trying to make the change that they want in a sense and create a lifestyle, a product or service that they want. So I'm always inspired when I talk to uh, creative people. And obviously, Damien is a super, super, super creative person. Uh, I met him a couple of years ago at, NAS, uh, at an event with Nas Daily. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a while. So yes, TLDR, long story short, uh, Damien, could you give a quick uh, introduction uh, before we start uh, for listeners that don't know who you are, but I know I just uh, sort of gave an introduction. <laughs> yeah, thanks JJ. Um, yeah, I'm Damien, the founder of the Gym Pod. Um, yeah, so, so pretty much like what you introduced, I started dabbing into startups about a couple of years uh, after graduation. Okay, sorry, I just corrected myself. I actually started the company kind of when I was studying uh, with a friend of mine, so it's like a web development company and uh, I've been you know, interested in, in technology and, and you know the business world since then um, so yeah there's, there's, there's up and downs uh, I think we can go more into that later um, and so basically what we are doing now is the gym pod which is uh, like we say unmanned container gym so what we do we actually create a system that allows gyms to run on their, on this, on their own uh, it's really meant for you know introverts you know shy people like me you know I'm probably the you know, most skinny gym owner you'll ever see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely not from the fitness industry, uh, but I wanted to solve a problem for my own, for myself. I wanted to go to the gym, I wanted to work out, you know, just stay fit. Uh, but I realized it's very intimidating you know, to go to public gyms and, and I see all the muscular guys. They're probably not looking at me, but I feel like they're looking at me. Yeah, yeah and, you know, you, you, and then I worry about, you know, because you want to show off, right? You try to hold hold heavy weights and stuff and you get injured. So so I thought, you know, why not have a private, you know, kind of setting that I can do that. Um, I started off trying to work out at home, right? And then, uh, you know, being Singaporean, live in houses that's not too big, right? And then, you know, buying gym equipment can take up quite a lot of space and stuff. Yeah, so from there, I, I kind, of, kind of start researching into where, what we can do about this um, problem. And yeah, so here we are today with the gym pod. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, happy to share more. It depends what angle to go on. Yeah. Got it, yeah. <laughs> I, I, if you have not tried Jimpo Rice, those little containers that you see all over Singapore, I think there are about 48, over 50 containers right now, right? So there's, there's definitely one around your area if you live in Singapore. I'll leave all the links below for you to try. But if you go to go all the way back, right, as a university kid, right, I'm just inspired or, or curious to know how you got started on this journey. You said that you mentioned uh, you started a hustle with a friend while you were working or studying in Maple Tree, is it? Or still studying, so still back studying. in NTU. Yeah. Huh. So how, how did that conversation go like? It's like, did you go to a friend and say, why not let's try something? And what was the incentive or motivation to do that? Mm, okay, I, I think maybe, maybe just to rewind just a little bit further back. So um, I actually, so I started building finance in NTU, but actually I was enrolled into the engineering course uh, before that. Uh, and I was going the typical route, like, you know, I, after JC, I was like, I don't know what I should study. And then I see at the time, most of my friends, I think we'll go engineering now. Yeah, okay, let's just apply for engineering, right? Um, and then I think during the NS time, uh, I kind of start wondering, you know, what, what, what am I going to do in the future? And, and what I'm really interested in. Um, and then I start asking around and kind of, you know, reading up and, and looking at different things. I think back, I crawl back when I was a kid, right? I really wanted to be an inventor. Uh, back then, I kind of read out things about like Edison, Galileo, and stuff, right? So like, oh, I think it's very cool, you know, invent stuff that the world uses up to these days. Of course, it evolved from there. Um, so I really wanted to be an inventor. But then when I grew up, then I said, look at engineers. Do most of engineers I know, I know are they inventors? I mean, like, like, of course there are, right? Like, like James Dyson and stuff, but like the people I know, they are engineers. They are, Not so many. Yeah, yeah, they're working for a corporate and then, yeah, they're engineer. So then I think, okay, what else can I do to kind of impact, you know, lives and stuff? So um, then I look, look at people like, you know, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and stuff. Oh, okay. They are, in a way, they're computer engineers, but they are also actually great business people. So I figured that, okay, maybe doing business is a way to create things, to, to create things that people can use. Yeah. So I then woke up one day and then I just, you know, write into <laughs> to, to NTU and say, can I change my course? Wow. I think that was actually... One week or two weeks before school starts or school camp starts, something like that. Yeah, fortunately, I got their, their, their approval to change costs. So I got into business costs. Um, and then kind of, I think one year down, you need to choose a special specialization. Uh, again, back then, <laughs> I don't know what to specialize in because kind of everything seems to be re related to business, right? Uh, and then I figured, okay, banking and finance is the most lucrative, <laughs> supposedly. Uh, <laughs> So, so I go, I go with that again. Like I see most of my peers, you know, they try to go into banking and finance. So, okay, let's, let's do that as well. Yeah. So, but of course, with the back of mind that I'm always so interested in how to do business and start startups and stuff. Okay. At the time, I think no, never really hear the term startup. Yeah. We heard the term entrepreneurship, you know, and business, all these things. So then one day, one well, of my friend from JC, he's, 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 he's an engineer, right? He's studying engineering in NTU as well. So he came to me and said, Hey, I have this like business plan competition. Uh, he designed something for, uh, I can't remember, I think it's Toshiba or Hitachi, some kind of competition, but he needs to put together a business plan. So he designed something, but he needs to put together a business plan. So he comes to me to, to help. So like, oh yeah, okay, I can try out my, you know, what I learned in school and all the things I read up. So yeah, then from there, I drew out a business plan for him and then you know, he competed, uh, submitted a competition. And I think, I think he won, maybe first prize or second prize, something like that. Yeah. So since then, then we kind of you know, chat together and, and you know, see things of how, how can we do more things together. Yeah, so uh, so since then, I think because he, he has some tech pro programming skills and stuff, so he said, you know, let's just try something that he can do, right? So we started doing projects, 
kind of like freelancing for for people, um, you know, creating websites and stuff. So we started a company creating just building websites for people at, at back then. Back then, how did you all get those kind of uh, gigs? Was it like through friends and acquaintance or really marketing your services? Yeah, so really a mixture because we really don't know, right? So we kind of uh, uh, you know, talk to my friends, his friends. What was the uh, first project that you all work on? Or the uh, first few memorable ones? I, I, if I don't recall wrongly, I think the first one is for like a photographer, a, a freelance photographer who wants to build his own portfolio, his website. Yeah, so yeah, that's that we built. We basically built a simple website to him. I kind of talk to the customer, understand, sort of understand his needs, what he's looking for in terms of design and stuff. I mean, I'm not a designer, but I know I try to be, <laughs> pretend to be one and, and kind of get what, what, he, what he wants and then we build it from there. Yeah, so yeah, it was a mixture. And then, of course, we try out um, some marketing thing. Back then, Facebook was just starting. I, we haven't really got into Facebook then yet. Um, what do you mean marketing thing? Um, so so things like I know simple flyers, you know, at that time you, you don't know anything, right? So you just put flyers, give out to 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 houses or even to offices and stuff, right? Uh, so basically, you see what other people do, other businesses do, and then you try it out. Uh, maybe we post it on some forums, maybe yeah, as well. So just a bunch of different things you try out. Um, then kind of then after that, course you get some one or two customers, and they can refer their friends and other businesses. So you kind of grew a little bit. I wouldn't say we are growing much, yeah. Um, but it's still a good experience just to, to pick up certain things. Um, and then I think there was a point where, so we started building a lot of, for blog shops. Back then, blog shops was like a thing, yeah. right? Uh, and then kind of the bigger blog shops had to figure out, you know, because they have been collecting, you know, payments out this thing manually, right? It's all by, by bank transfers and stuff, right? So the more savvy of them was thinking, how do they make it more automated? Or right? is that pinpoint you got from doing so many correct, freelance correct, jobs? Correct. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So okay, back okay, that one will, will be a few will be a few years down like, after we graduated and I'm, I was really working with Maple Tree Investments. Um but we're still running this this gig at the site, right? Um so then we we kind of noticed this problem among our customers, uh the block shop customers that more and more they're coming us to build websites for them, to, to build kind of e-commerce site for them. Now, back then it's still a very uh was Shopify active back then, no, not, right? Not not then, not, really. not oh, yes, okay. correct, correct. So it was like wow. Like tough, or then you know, use Magento and all these things. So you need coders to do that. And was it just you and the team, or you're already like, oh, size some freelancers? Um, out of yeah, YouTube? it's just the two of us. We have another friend join join us, a designer. Uh, I think maybe another freelancer on the side. So basically, just a very small team. Uh, few of us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so we noted the problem, and then, and then I realized that this business is very hard because. You kind of keep service, right? Uh. If you're the new client, you're, you dry up and then you need to keep going for clients, uh, looking for clients. And then, you know, <laughs> since our client projects can be quite difficult depending on the type of clients you get, right? And difficult then, clients? Yeah. What's yeah, the yeah. worst client have you had? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because it Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, sometimes you get requests that you you don't think are reasonable, but, no you still, eyes. <laughs> yeah, but you still try to, to service them and stuff. Yeah, and I've been thinking this, this thing can't scale uh, it's not then, something you want to do in the long run correct correct and, and back then I think I don't think we learned the term scale but we can't, I'll kind of figure out if I want to we want to you know, grow much bigger we need to have a lot more people we need to service a lot more clients right and, and every job the margin is not great right or otherwise you try to raise your price a lot and then you know it counts it's difficult so so then I just, we're just seeing this problem about among block shops and like, how about we just create a product then that you know um, ideally, you know, the ideal is that we create a product, people come use, and then we don't have to do anything and just yeah, us, leverage, you know? <laughs> leverage. Yeah, leverage. So, so that's that. That was a thought then. Yeah. So 
so that's where actually the idea of payware was born. Uh, so to simplify that, uh, and, and there was a time where Facebook is, was growing up as well. So the thought was that, okay, what if we can create, a, a lot of people create shops on Facebook. Ah, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, so that was actually one of the initial angles. So of course, we have their own website, their shop, but also have a shop on Facebook because that's when, that's when also, that's when the businesses started marketing on Facebook. They're trying to figure out you know, on Facebook. So we thought, oh, how about we, we, we do that angle? Yeah, so that's where payout, Payware came, came from. That's how then we spin off a company to do that, to focus on that uh, exclusively. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I carry on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, then how, how, long, then how long did it take for you to develop a, we would say MVP into something that's serviceable? How, how was the story behind the first, cu- first few customers that got on board? Uh, how was it like trying to scale this? Then I'm sure there's a story of how it eventually got sold, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Sorry. What's that? <laughs> no, what's that at the time? Yeah. Like, like for the MVP, right? How long do you sure. think to do? Because I, I will only assume that, uh, it actually in terms of capital cost, I, I don't think you guys were using capital cost. It's more of manpower hours to develop that particular product. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so okay. So back then, um, like I was still work, working right with Maple Tree, and my friend was just graduated from school. Oh, he's right? is, he, is he younger? Uh, he is no, but he's well, of the same age. But because he's taking engineering course, right? So it takes longer than me. To graduate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, correct. So um, so we thought of this idea, right? And then we we basically okay, but we know that we've created this product, right? It will not be profitable immediately because you know you you're going to take a while to to ramp up the demand. Uh, which means we need some kind of funding to to sustain us during the development phase of things, right? And, and other R and D stuff. So we decided to apply for the the NUS uh, grant or something funding like that. Yeah. So, um, so that was how we only when we got approved for for the grant to get started. That's when I totally I quit my job. Um, you know, and then we we go straight into that to build the product. Uh, I would say because we have been already building e-commerce websites for for customers, so it's not too big of a leap to create an MVP. Uh, from there and then one of the first few customers is back to you know, those who have come to us to build the, the e-commerce site for them so we kind of you know, tell them you know, this is a newer model and now you can sell on Facebook and stuff so we get them on board as our first few customer mm. yeah. so may I step one step back yeah. right? the, the juncture for you to really quit your job I think is like a major one like how did your parents uh, at least let's say to anyone let's say side hustling right? is there any advice you would give to let's say someone who is considering to jump ship right? what are the, at least what were the conditions for you to quit a job because like the funding was a issue, uh, was a main factor, right? Was there any other things that you looked out for? Uh, I would say I'm also in a, probably in a similar position as well. Um, maybe my boss is watching. <laughs> right, should I should I quit or not? Because there's a lot of other opportunities out there, right? Um, yeah. What was the thought process back then? Yeah, I, I guess the main thing of course, like most typical Singaporeans, they are worried about you know if they quit, they've got a job, what's going to happen to them, right? And then so back then, you know, basically listing down my cons- my considerations, right? But I'm still pretty young then. I have, I'm not married yet. I have obligations. I have my parents to take care of in a way. Um, so, uh, this, so that's one thing to take note of. Uh, and I've been working in a job by then, I think about two years. I, I would say I was doing pretty well. Uh, you know, the, the money is okay and stuff. And potential-wise, I can, kind of can go up the ranks and stuff in the, in the investment world, right? So, it's, so the opportunity cost feels quite big, right? Uh, but back then, I was thinking... What if I don't do this now? Like ten years later, will I still want to do it? Will I want to do it? So I might I think to myself, I try to project myself, you know, ten years from now. Uh ten years from now, if 
version A, I'm still, you know, at, at this company or some similar company, you know, still doing, you know, financial modeling and all these things for, for companies uh, versus running our own business and own startup and stuff, right? Of course, the second scenario, you don't know how it's going to be, but at least you have the experience about that. So I think that not so much of the attraction of running the business, but rather that I don't really want to play tight to a desk-bound job 10 years from now. Uh, so that's one thing. And I back then, I think I kind of think that I would rather regret trying something than to regret not doing it. Yeah. So weighing that, I kind of think that, yeah, okay, I, I, I think I want to try it. But of course, I think I still consider what are the risk factors because I was also in risk management then. Okay. Oh, risk factors. <laughs> how can I mitigate the risk and uh. stuff? So then I said, okay, I have built up, I mean, one, two years, I built a bit of savings. You know, because when I was undergrad, I was also working as well, some savings and I don't really spend a lot. So so I think even if I go without income, I could go for quite a while, right? And then, okay, so we secure a, a grant and stuff. It's not much, but you know, you can still run for a while and our expenses are pretty low, right? So I think, okay, there's quite a few, you can run for quite a while, you know, without income and stuff. Um, and what's the worst case scenario? Most case scenario, I come back to my boss, right? <laughs> hey, boss, like, you know, <laughs> can I come back and stuff, right? Did so, you talk to your boss about it? Like, like, what was the thought process and how he ran? Was he supportive? Was he like, what, what the hell are you doing? That kind of so thing. interestingly, I don't know whether this is a very naive move. We have interview. Um, so when she kind of make the offer, right? I actually told her that I have this side hustle going on. Ah. Uh, and I may want to do this long, long uh, in the long term, right? Um, and... Fortunately, she was like, okay with it, like, you know. Oh, Maple uh, Tree, I would imagine it's like a very traditional sort of, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think so too. Oh. Um, but I guess my boss is a bit more forward thinking, fortunately. Oh, that's, that's good, that's good. Yeah, yeah, so she's, she's quite supportive. Um, and then, yeah, so 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 she, she let me do that. Uh, as you recall, it's quite funny, like, I mean, because when you're working full-time, right, so you can only work on a side at night, right? So, that's, so you get pretty tired. So <laughs> there'll be times in the day, I'll be like dozing off at the at the desk. Oh, yeah. Back then you need to go to we need to go to office, right? Yeah, you need to go to office, oh, right? Yeah, it's every yeah. day. Okay. But I think I still do my job pretty well. You so, think? <laughs> so I kind of do my job and then I kind of fell asleep sometimes. Um she walked past my desk. Uh, back then I didn't know. I think she didn't know. I think that she didn't know back then. Um my colleagues were always teasing me about me about it. Like, but actually a few years later when I met her again, actually she knows about it. Like, she knows that I do off and stuff, but oh. she's Fortunately, she's really okay because as long as I did my, did my work, she's like, okay, you can just take a nap or whatever. Yeah, yeah so, so yeah, that's... Not many people are lucky to have that boss though. Yeah, yeah. so I guess I'm pretty fortunate in, in the aspect and I could still you know, work on my thing at the side. Um, yeah, so so back to then. So I was, you know, basically, so the decision come to make the make the jump, right? So I talked to my boss. Um, she understood that, um, but I think we negotiated, basically she negotiated for a longer no notice period for me to at least hand over my stuff uh to my colleagues. Yeah. So yeah, so I agree to that. You know, well, I can still work on my thing on the side, right? And then she 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 knows about that. So so yeah, so I I I'm pretty fortunate in that aspect. Yeah. Um and yeah, so that's that's why I made the jump. I think looking at all the risk factors and I think the risk of not doing it is much higher, right? Than if I try to attempt it like 10 years from then, right? Which I may be married, I may have more commitments, and then if I take the leap, it's it's going to be more risk. Involved. For this particular thought process that you developed, right? Was it let, let's say through other influences? You mentioned that you listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast. Were you reading books? Were you listening to anything? Or mainly it's just your thought process, uh, and how you got there? Because I don't think this kind of thought process is pretty common. Or 
Yeah. Or like back then, no. Back then, I haven't heard of Tim Ferriss yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I would say back then, I, I haven't really picked up my my reading habit back then. I would say, uh, it's really just, just, just okay. So I have a couple of friends that also they they started their business and stuff, right? So I kind of talk to them and, and see what they are doing, um, and. I, I guess to me, I seen, I don't see them being very miserable about their choice, right? They, 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 they still go about doing their business and, and stuff, right? Of course, I don't know the integrity of the up and downs, now, but I feel like they, they felt they are doing something meaningful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. And then I, I talked to actually a lot of my other peers who were really working. Um, so a lot of them, of course, have very different views, uh, conventional views, right? They say, you know, why you want to do this? You know, yeah, in, in the banking finance, right? And maybe is quite a good company, right? Mm. You can, can, you're, you're set already for set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I guess it's, it's I guess the, in a way, a little bit uh, contrary is like, oh, the more I hear of them, all of them saying this, as I'm thinking, maybe there's something different that I could do, right? That, that. Otherwise, I, I, in a way, I guess I, sometimes I'm a bit competitive. So I said, no, it's, I keep doing the same thing, right? Then I'll be the same like everybody, right? And then... And you don't want to be anybody, is it? Yeah, I, I guess in the way that at the time I had this ego about me, right? Like, ah, I, I, you, you just keep competing in the same field. It's a, it's a race that you cannot win, right? Uh, and it's very common for, especially banking and finance, you know, students, graduates who talk about, you know, look at pay, you know, look at how fast you rise, kind of thing. And I feel like it's not something that I want to be involved in to, to compete in that kind of situation yeah it's not something that I would win uh, for example right it's, it's always a, a goal that keeps pushing further away so yeah so that's, that's why I decided to you know try try something different back to your time at uh, being CEO or CFO at uh, Payware right how's it like Like, what are the ups and downs what are the process I can like what was the daylight of a CFO CEO when uh, it comes to well, I mean, every day is different depending on the stage of the company you're at, right? Um, so at the start, it's a very small company. We build a product. We kind of try to market, try to pitch it to investors, etc. Um, when when you say pitching to investors, like like you you have reached out to VC firms or you have contacts that you are yeah. So with, we went through NUS Enterprise, right? So with NUS Enterprise, they actually introduce us to different you know there's networking events, you know, angel investors they introduce us to them. So we kind of practice our pitches to different investors, uh, get you know, get turned down and scolded and <laughs> stuff. Uh, which we then turn into feedback to how we improve our pitch, how we improve our product. What things uh, have you learned about pitching? <laughs> <laughs> or being shot down. I assume that you're a pitching pro now, dude. <laughs> uh, this was some time ago. I, I think one one thing to about learn about pitching is really to going to be open-minded. Yeah. Um and how, how do you make it not personal? Sometimes I feel like when it comes to these kind of things, right, it's very personal, like your idea sucks or like that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm not sure if you receive people like that, but like how do you really detach yourself? I mean, that's the thing that I think most, yeah. some people might face. So I, I think in general, most investors are not so blunt uh, because I think they, they also want to build you know, rapport with potential entrepreneurs that they could invest in in the future, but they don't really want to burn bridges all the oh, time. <laughs> burn bridges. Yeah, right. So, so in general, people will still try to be pretty um, nice to you, but of course, they can brief, can give pretty objective statements. Uh, so really, uh, I guess you, you, at first you will feel a little bit hurt because it's like a baby, right, and, and stuff. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like I treat them like okay, they are more experienced people, right? They, they know things that I don't know about, and well, I just take in their advice and and you know see whether it applies to us or not. But I think one thing I do did learn or, or did figure out with, within ourselves is that. Uh, a lot of them give a lot of credible advice, but not all of them necessarily apply to us. And it's actually detrimental if you listen to everything and try to apply it and you kind of... Um, all get, advice eventually cancels to zero, is it? In, in, a, in a way, so you need to kind of figure out which one you want to try out to listen to. Yeah, of course, if you listen to everything, then basically you're not running your own business. You, you, are, you are just you know, following along and then people say one thing you follow and then they, another person say you sway. And then it's you all can, contradicting, is it? Some of them. In a way, sometimes or sometimes it kind of leads you to um, different priorities, I would say. Right? Some say you focus on this and you focus on this. Then you change a little bit. So then your product kind of loses direction in what kind of things you go or what kind of focus you want to look at. Um, and it becomes yeah, very distracting, especially for, for founders. Yeah, so for those who are you know, pitching now, as I would say, um, of course, you should take in the advice, uh, uh, listen, and then really, but really dissect it and see whether it really works for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so then we count pitches. Uh, we we get funded, unfortunately, uh, to grow the product and grow the company. Um, so, so pretty typical, you know, SaaS uh, service company route. We help your company, get some users, and then we iterate the product. You know, get some um, traction to that. And then, of course, as usual, we kind of start running our money before we could get enough um, customers, right? So then we go again, go for another round of, of funding and stuff. Um, which, oh, you see, get funding like is it like is it like a very easy thing once you like roughly know what's the uh, process? No, so so that's just okay. So so I think for the first first round for the angel investing is not too bad um, because the angel came in, she kind of believed in us, so she's like a mentor, right? And, and she kind of believes in us so that. For the next round, right, the kind of seed funding is tougher, right? So we actually ran into a situation. So there was this particular incident where we kind of agree uh, with like a deal with an investor, but of course it takes time, right? Due diligence and stuff to to to, to complete. And then you know, at the time, then during that period, you're kind of running down on cash and all these things, right? And you already have staff on board, and you feel responsible for them. How big was the team then? Back then, I believe we were about seven or eight people. Yeah. Basically, it was kind of like the first time that you kind of hire people, right? And, and once you hire people, you realize that you actually have a responsibility for their livelihood, livelihood right? They, they believe in you, right? Although you have nothing and then you started this and then they believe in you and they join you at the opportunity cost of other, other jobs, right? So you feel very responsible for their livelihood and their career. Um, so you kind of get anxious, I, I think, especially as a CFO, looking at the, the market cash and all these things and you know that the cash will run out very uh, soon. So, uh, but we thought that we secured the deal, right? At the last moment, the investor threw in a clause um, that, you know, they want to add in this clause um, that is a, no, there's a deal breaker for us, you know, there's a blocker for us. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Something like, you know, um, something like they could, they could, in the next round, they could invest or purchase up to 51% or something uh, without... No, it's their right uh, to do that something like that oh. yeah so red flag uh, yeah so, so that's, a, that's a big red flag because it, it can be so late right and, you, you, <laughs> and they probably know that we're getting desperate right so it's definitely a red flag and then of course at that time it's like oh oh my god! what are you going to do man wow, you, take, you take this deal you're going to be stuck right in the future potentially it's a big issue you, you can't grow and you're, you're stuck under them and stuff right but if you don't take it you die yeah you 
probably will die, right? The, the odds are that you'll die. Um, so you know, me and my co-founders are like really quite stressed out over that. Yeah. How did y'all make the decision? So in the end, we we chose not to take the deal. Um, because we see there's no point, right? If you want to grow something and you know it's going to be blocked in the future, potentially blocked in the future. So, so there's no point in trying to... Then, and then the motivation for the staff and us will not be there, right? Um, and, and there's no point to take the deal, right? It's, it's basically lose-lose. How, how fast did you make this deal? Was it like overnight or did you meet up? Or, uh, I don't know, I'm just quite, imagining. Quite, quite fast because the situation is dire, right? We need to decide quickly. So I would say within one or two days probably, we, we probably, we probably cram ourselves in the room and uh, kind of talk things out and then like bang our heads in the wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because actually, I, I think, I believe that we, this, there's not too much decision to make. It's either this or that, right? It's, it's just getting over the emotional hurdle. So it's just taking, you know, talking things out and then we kind of, you know, rationally decided this is the way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, then we quickly you know, try to scramble for other investors and then you know, figure out how do we pay our staff, right? And, and eventually, yeah. So, um, yeah, so actually, I think myself, you know, we actually put in a little bit more of my savings you know, to, to fund the company. Uh, me and another one of co-founders put in more of our savings to, to help wow, okay, pay, the, pay the salaries. Cool, yeah. Uh, because it takes time to find an investor, right? What was the and runway? Was it like two months, three months, four months, half a year? I, I, I think that time was maybe two months. Wow, shit. One, one or two months, yeah. Um, so there was a point where I know I, I actually screenshotted this like this. I, I, my, my bank account had like 200 plus dollars left. I, I sold everything. Like, I, I mean, I had some stocks investments you know, back from American so I sold everything. Uh, I, you know, put in all my savings. All in. You know. All in already. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody back then. Uh, I didn't tell my parents. <laughs> I didn't tell my, my girlfriend back then and stuff. <laughs> so it's like, I had 200 plus dollars left in my bank. Um, and it must have scary, man. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's could you sleep? Scary. Could you sleep at night? Like, no, there, there, is, there were is, really nights that it's really hard to sleep. Um, okay, but at least at that point, we kind of secured another investor already. Just, you know, waiting for you know, all, the, all the people to go through and stuff. We've, Oh, but of course, having the earlier incident, you are never confident until the, the money is in, right? So, so you still get. Are you very paranoid anxious. when you run through? I was going to ask you like, what are red flags when it comes to getting funding? Correct, correct. So, so from well, from lesson, you really you know that nothing's confirmed until the the money money coming. Uh. Correct. So you, you always get anxious. Um, and actually, there, I think we went one or two months that we actually don't have enough already. So we had to tell the staff. Um. So again, that was also a difficult thing to do, whether you, know, you tell them. How do you handle morale in such a case? Because yeah, I, I think the like the vibes would be just so negative. Yeah, um, correct. Because you have to, dis- you kind of have to decide whether you tell them in a very pos- a positive way. You know, like, you know, the funding is already confirmed. <laughs> it's just a matter of weeks, uh, days, right? You, uh, when, you, when the funding is in, we'll pay you back, right? No worries about that. It's like, you, you can go from the approach. But you know at the back of mind, it's not, not 100% guaranteed, right? Or we go for a bit more honest, sincere approach. La. So uh, I'm assuming that's the Yeah, yeah that's so where we go. Uh, because I think we have enough trust with our staff back then. Uh, and we are pretty open, I think, in most of our communications to them um, in how the company is doing and stuff, right? So, of course, we get an option. I mean, if they have to leave, we kind of respect that uh, because it's their choice. Uh, but if you stay on with us, um, you know, a couple, couple more months, we think the investment is coming in. Uh, we can't guarantee you that. Um, but, 
you know, if it, it sticks with us, of course, definitely, I think we'll grow these things together and, and stuff. So fortunately for us, again, none of them quit. Uh, and yeah, then from there, we, we kind of survive again and for, for another ride. <laughs> yeah. So there were some months where they didn't take pay, is it? Two months. Two wow. months, I believe. Yeah. Wow, shit. Yeah, that's quite, that was quite crazy. Uh, I also don't know why, why they stay uh, <laughs> for the two months. Yeah. One last thing to follow up, right? What are red flags when it comes to getting funding? Or basically just the clauses that you have, you have to look out for? Yeah, I, I think pretty much when you Google or you ask around, there's pretty standard term sheet clause, <laughs> standard clauses in most, you know, it depends on market, right? But, but at that period of time, usually there's pretty standard clauses. So whenever an investor or what asks for something different, I think that's something that we really need to sit up and look at. Um, especially things that relate to, to um, dilution or to um, you know, uh, uh, preference, preference shares and all these things, right? So you have to look at what the standard industry is doing, right? Versus what they're offering. If, if something that's very different, it, it's something that jumps out to mind, you kind of want to understand why they're asking for that. Uh, so, so that I would say, I would say, I won't say red flags, but flags basically. Uh, the red flag will come when they, they, they insert these things later on, right? If they are transparent, right, they tell everything in the beforehand. I feel that's fair, right? Even if it's different from the industry, at least they can tell you beforehand what's that and explain to you their, their rationale behind that. And then you can kind of make a decision on yourself. Because well, investors know, right? Most startups, the time is, time is worth money, right? Yeah. So the longer you drag, the long, longer into the uh, particular deal, it reduces the time for the startup, right? And sometimes because once you accept a term sheet, right, means you are rejecting other term sheets. Means you're not negotiating with other investors anymore. You can't close the door. And to restart the process again is taking, wouldn't take a, a long time. So, so then it, in a way, the leverage is more on the investor in a, in a sense. So um, I, I think one thing is to, it's so important to be, to be comfortable to build a rapport to, to the particular person because some VCs or investors, they have a few people, right, that you, in, the, in the firm, but there's only, usually only one or two that you talk to on, on a regular basis. Uh, I think it's important to kind of build a rapport, to understand the person, to, to let the person understand you as well, uh, because that is also so likely to be a person you're going to work with long-term after the investment. Yeah, so if you don't have a good vibe about that, uh, of course, I... I, I it depends on how much luxury you have. Uh, definitely, of course, they say you try to raise money earlier than you really need because then you can buy more time to do that. Don't try to do it when you're in a desperate mode because then your choices get very limited. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I think it's also kind of difficult, especially for first-time entrepreneurs. Uh, I think for me back then, I feel like I, could, I couldn't trust my gut feeling. Uh, you couldn't like, trust, trust I couldn't, your gut yeah, feeling. Because like when I talk to... like. Sometimes we kind of, you know, kind of has this feeling that you don't feel too good about this, but you can't justify it in terms of, you know, by, 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 by your, your, your analysis and stuff, right? Uh, and then you just kind of listen and go along and stuff. Um, but I think as, you know, as I grew, as I developed, you kind of realize that actually sometimes your body is telling you something that you, you are just consciously don't know yet. It, you, you, maybe your body, body picks up some patterns that, you know, it's a danger, you know, and stuff. So I, I will say some, maybe some, some advice for that is that maybe sometimes try to listen a little bit more to your, yourself, your body, uh, and then dive deeper into that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's something new entrepreneurs kind of struggle with. 
I, I believe. In yeah. something not so tangible, but basically yeah, it's, really it's trust not tangible. God. I can't really you know, define okay, how define, what is that yeah. thing, yeah. but it's it's basically like a bodily feeling. I, I'm sure everybody says when they feel something not really right, they can't feel it, but they can't really explain it. Uh, and I think you kind of practice, it's kind of practice as you get more attuned to it in, in the future, you kind of get the, the sense of it. Um, yeah, so, but at the end of the day, I think it's how much chemistry a rapport can build with the investor. Yeah, and what you think, what they say and what they feel about you, you know, you know, kind of Back in those days, was it like in person? It's not like Zoom meeting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all in person. <laughs> yeah, so there's no, in a way it's good, I guess, because it's a more in-person thing, right? Yeah, but of course, uh, I was I'm just personality. I was always a little bit anxious of meeting uh, new people, strangers, and especially when people who I view like more up senior there. up there and they stuff, got the right? Money. <laughs> Correct. They have the money, the experience. Like who am I, right? They talk, I listen, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but but it comes with 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 experience. So you talk to then to talk to more people. You just keep trying. Uh, and you kind of pick out the patterns over time. Yeah, and I think with uh, talk to more, you kind of start to see. Uh, you kind of start to see who are really more sincere, more authentic, uh, versus those that are really very transactional. Yeah. So and then you. What kind of investor are you after? The transactional one, emotion, uh, not emotional but more people centric. Is it? Yeah, I. I basically, yeah. it's just observation or not? No, no preference. Yeah. Got the money, can already. <laughs> uh, depends. Depends on your style because mm. some investors, uh, some some entrepreneurs prefer you give me the money and you don't, you don't talk to me anymore, and then I just oh, do the yes, things, yes. right? Some entrepreneur or uh, some entrepreneur want you know the very hands-on investor, right? Talk to you and, and stuff, right? So and of course, there's always a balance. Uh, sometimes if there's too much micromanaging on you, then you, you also can't run your It's business like having another boss. Like. You correct. don't want to be the boss. Correct, like. correct. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to choose someone's kind of quite balance in between. You want someone who is there when you need them to, to talk to them, uh, to listen to you and, and give you the proper advice, but you don't want them to be looking over your shoulder every every week and uh, asking you to submit reports <laughs> all the time, right? So so there's a balance here. To look. For me, at least, that's the type that I look for. Yeah. In your experience, let's say on this point, right, on the process of raising money all the way to them giving you money, right? What in your opinion, is the most difficult? Like, is it raising the money or is it like communication uh, with them after the thing or is it like or eventually them wanting to cash out their investments? What was of this whole process? What is, or is it just part and parcel? Is there any parts which you feel are easier, slightly troublesome? What's your opinion? Um, everything is a bit difficult to understand. I think raising money is, uh, basically is, is whether you can buy, get them to buy in your dream, right? your, your vision of the product, and of course, your actual result and attraction. So to me, that's um, not say easy or difficult, it's, 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 uh, it's quite straightforward to me, lah, in the sense that if we can show them there's a potential in our product and company, they will like it, right? And then they will want to invest. And then it's kind of thinking who is a better partner to work with and stuff. Right. If they don't invest, then of course they don't see our value in that. Then there's something that we should work on, right? Uh, or we should move on to another investor who can kind of, kind of see the fit. So to me, it's uh, it's not so difficult. It's just that it's straightforward. You, know, you can't work. Okay, we improve ourselves. Talk to another person. Talk to another person. Um, I think uh, post investment will be probably more tricky. Uh, because you kind of really have another person or, or company kind of like a boss kind of thing, and you feel responsible, right? Because you first at first you are responsible for employees because you can't hire them. Now you have another set of responsibility because Hem- you're taking Hem- hamburger. You're talking their money, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not your money they are spending. So you feel responsible to give them get get them the returns, get them the, the growth that they want. 
So, uh, and that's the part where you kind of manage, right? Because, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs is that it's quite difficult to kind of talk every single problem to your investors also, right? Because you always try to project, oh yeah, no, we, everything we are, good, everything <laughs> good, no problem, right? We are, we are still, we are growing, we are growing, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, back then, but then you know at the back of my mind, oh, these things is like, don't know what's happening and then you have no idea what you're doing and stuff, right? Because at the back of my mind, you always think, okay, there's always potentially the next round and all these things, right? So you always try to project a positive image. And I think in a way that, Sometimes mentally, emotionally, it gets very, um, I don't know, you feel like a bit schizo in a sense. Like oh, yeah. on, on the outside, yeah, oh, we have stuff. And then you're internally, you're, oh, you're struggling, thinking how to do that. So it gets, uh, it can get pretty lonely like, in that aspect. I think that's not, lonely is not, not just because you're investors, but just the, the whole journey as, as a whole, as, as an entrepreneur. Um, but definitely with investors, you have the additional stress on that. Yeah. Um, I think that that is the most, most probably challenging part in terms of managing your investors' expectations to also to manage yourself la, to try to how to um, be a little bit more honest I guess um, and be a little bit tech, more honest tactful okay. in a sense first like I say at one point you try to be so positive telling everything right? but then suddenly if you roti prata tell them co- the bad news then correct correct right and and sooner or later the bad news will come out right <laughs> yeah so it's, it's better that you balance it and you kind of give them the whole complete picture um, as early as possible yeah um, so that actually then they can b- trust in you right that even though it's bad news but you kind of assure sh- um, not, not assure yeah kind of they know that okay truthful, at, at least he's, he's aware of what's going wrong yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than he keep telling me all the good things then maybe he's not aware of what's going wrong right that's, that's something that I put in, if I put myself in their shoes right it's like he keep telling me everything good maybe there's something bad he's not telling me with so so um, that's where I I, I think the balance like, for the entrepreneur psychologically to, to adjust their mindset to that yeah is it's being you talked about being lonely as an entrepreneur right do you deal with it or it's part and it's, it's you you feel like it's just part of the job essentially or it's not an issue to you uh, it is an issue it is an issue I, I think how do you deal with loneliness is it, how do you deal with loneliness in entrepreneurship if you do some yeah. people don't I don't know actually um, how I try to deal with it is that I kind of tell myself that it is an emotion that comes and goes uh, as, as with all emotions. So I uh, try to be a bit more stoic about that, I guess. Uh, I, I kind of had that feeling just quite recently, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's, um, I mean, you, you kind of understand why, why you get, you, you, you realize that you get lonely because you, there's certain things you can't really tell your staff or can't really discuss with them. They might not have the, you know, there's a gap in terms of understanding and stuff. So it's hard to talk to investors. You know, again, there's a gap, right, in terms of expectations and all these things. Talk to some of your peers, uh, those who are not in entrepreneurship. I mean, they will give you some moral support and stuff, but different frequency. Different uh, frequency, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs will talk to other entrepreneurs, I think, uh, and, and they kind of build a kind of support group around that. For me, I actually don't that much. Um, maybe it's just my personality. It's kind of, um, I kind of always, I mean. I think in the staff com- uh, community kind of always hear like you know, failures are kind of celebrated in a sense uh, and people learn from that. Uh, but I, I guess I can't really get around that. I, I absolutely is frightened to fail <laughs> and, and hate failing. Um, so I, I couldn't really go around you know, celebrating failures and all these things. Uh, of course, I, but of course, you read enough, I know that you know, a lot of people you know, try, fail and they do again and stuff. So in a sense, I still feel that I, I, there's not, not too many people that I can talk to 
uh, in terms of the actual problem they are facing. Uh, but at the end of the day, I kind of tell them, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's my path, right, that I chose to do, do this. Uh, and what I learned is that usually the, the first time you feel this, right, you've probably you are looking at a problem that looks very big in your mind, right? But if you just take the time, calm down. Uh, so what I usually do is that if I get into such a funk in my mind, right? Yeah. Uh, what I usually do is I'll write, basically I'll just write all my thoughts, all my emotions, everything down. Uh, I may go for a workout. That's why we go to the gym hall. <laughs> <laughs> nice luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically just have some time to myself, you know, do, do certain things, you know, expand some energy. But the writing helps in a sense. Um, kind Where like, do you pick up this habit? Or it was something that you have. Yeah, so, so actually, I picked. Up, I learned that from from, from Tim Ferriss oh, okay. himself. I think he talked about the morning journals and all these things. I, I don't write every day, but more of when I get into this funk, I kind of just, I have this notebook that I always you know. I just is write it in paper or computer? Paper, paper. Wow. Yeah, always paper. Okay. Yeah, so I'll just write everything. Sometimes it doesn't really make sense and stuff, right? So that just all my emotion, I feel like why? Wow, why am I feeling this way? And then, like. Who is making me feel this way? Oh, <laughs> kind of thing. Basically a yeah. rant. Yeah, just a rant. Uh, uh, and, and sometimes I have ideas or, or problems that I'm looking at. I'll just write it down as well. Uh, solutions by the moment make sense. I'll just write it down. So usually after that, I feel a bit better. Uh, and then kind of then, okay, let's sit down and look at the problem. Let's, can I break down the problem into smaller parts? So that's where usually I get better. By breaking the thing into parts, I kind of say, okay, that's this problem. Actually, there are 10 micro problems in this big problem. Let's see what I can solve first. Or can somebody else in my team take out the problem and solve it, right? So then we, we, I work on that. So in them become more palatable. And I think because of the process, then you kind of calm down, feels a bit better and stuff. Yeah, so uh, of course, uh, emotionally, I mean, I, like, fortunately, I have a wife that listens to, to my rant and all these things, you know. Uh, so so that's support, it's important that I guess a supportive family. Is she an entrepreneur? She's not, she's not. Um, but I, I, fortunately, she's really, really always interested to hear what I have to say about stuff and she'll ask me questions and she find, I guess if she finds it intriguing. You guys should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, she, she, yeah, maybe you should do a podcast about uh, the wife of a entrepreneur, how yeah, to support yeah, no, one. No, you guys should have, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe we could have a podcast. Yeah, actually, some of our conversations that we have, it's quite interesting. And actually, during the conversation with her, that's where I brought out the idea of the gym for actually. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, <laughs> so I digress about that. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So yeah, on the on the only part and stress part, that's that's really usually how I handle that. Yeah. I think yeah, that's a good solution. If I can go back, right, I, I uh let's say in my current position or career, whether if you're an entrepreneur or not, right, um you will eventually deal with people and managing people. Like, and I and I find it quite mind blowing that you're able to not say persuade or cycle people to stay on a company without any pay for two months. Like, what's, what's your secret sauce to that? Well, in, in, when it comes to advice you could give to others in terms of managing people, um, how do you go about taking the right buttons to let them or inspire them in a way to work for you? Because like what you say, opportunity cost, they could be working anywhere else in the world, but they have chose to work at your company. What's, what advice would you give to managing people? I think at the end of the day, it's people to people. Uh, and you also realize that managing people, every individual should, your management style to every individual should be a little bit a little bit different depending on who they are how they behave their preference and all these things uh, but I think before you reach that point where you kind of go and tell me I'm not going to give pay for two months right what you build up from the right from the start when you hire them right is important basically I, I think what we did 
kind of right enough maybe is that we we are pretty honest and authentic with them throughout even when we start work uh, and we, we we kind of treat them you know like like people like, like not not exactly like friends but we kind of build up good relationship good rapport um that we can talk about things pretty openly yeah um so by the time when you reach a stage where you know this is crisis and all these things right um it's kind of like a friend where uh, a friend comes to you and then he's like down and stuff and he gives you some bad news right you wouldn't like hey, wow you, you you suck man I don't talk to you anymore right so they also kind of feel for you as well right of course they have to think about their own situation right but in a way it's like I'm coming to you because I'm telling you this early that you're not going to pay because I I kind of empathize for you as well I'm thinking for your situation and similarly I think they also think back about the same for us as well so in that we kind of build a rapport to of trust and uh, willing to sacrifice, I guess, a little bit for each other. Yeah. So I, I think they can see the, the sacrifice in the sense that we put in because I, I'm not sure if they know that they probably may kind of get the sense that we are not anxious and all these things that we are putting in our own money and all these things, you know, you know working late at night, you know, just to make sure the company is running all these things. So I think they can also see the effort they are putting in um, um, that is also for them. Yeah. So I think... That's, that's where the, the people connection is important. Uh, not just... Uh, and I think the style... Some, some different, different founders have different styles of, of, of managing people. Uh, I think for us, we... Okay, so there's, there's two, one saying, right? is a higher fast, you fire fast, right? For us, we actually don't really believe in that. Uh, we, we like to give them more chance to grow. Uh, we put them roles in where they're probably not prepared in yet, and uh, but we think that they can do it. They can try to to learn and do it. And as long as we see people really putting in effort, really trying to learn, uh, and learning from their mistakes, right, we are very comfortable with that, and we are comfortable with them making mistakes. And I think that's been one thing probably we've been very open. Uh, even now with my team, with new team in Jim Paul, right, being very open is that it's okay for you to make mistakes as long as you make don't make the same mistake twice, right? Yeah, um, it's okay to do things. Try out things without my approval first if you think it's the right thing to do, right? As long as it's not a catastrophic yeah. thing, right? Um, so, you know, just go ahead and then, you know, if it's wrong, we just figure it out. So I think that's something that I always preach to, to my, my, my staff. Um, and I think they, in a way, they quite appreciate that. So even when things go bad from my side and stuff, I think they give me some leeway as well. Yeah. Where do you think you got this from? Is it like, like just your upbringing as a child or like, do you listen to any HR guru? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, is it a like, like, again, like how, how, how do you manage to, because like, like what you're saying is very ideal. I mean, in my current company, my boss is also very similar to what you do. You allow people to make mistakes, but how, how do you arrive at that kind of style of working? Is it, yeah, how, do, do you have any idea uh, how? Or is it just I, who you are? I think a combination, a real, quite, quite, definitely a part of who I am. Uh, because again, I also started from nothing, right? I'm, I'm, no, no, not, not, I don't come from a rich family and stuff like that, stuff from nothing and then build. And then fortunately, there are you know, customers, investors, all this that give me the chance to, to grow and stuff. So uh, similarly, then I feel that I should you know, behave the same way for, for my employees. And in the first place, they join me. They are giving me a chance, right? Because again, when I started, there's nothing, right? There's, it's just a vision of how to pour and stuff, right? I'm not offering them the astronomical Google Pay and all these things, right? So, so, so they are giving me a chance as well. So I feel that I should give them back, you know, the room, the space to grow. 
And a lot of times when people join startups, I think one of the things is also other than look, they're not looking just for the pay, right? They're looking for, for, for things to, to try, to learn, to explore, right? So I feel that I have to fulfill my side of the, 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 the promise, right? Uh, as long as their effort and attitude is right, right? So um, maybe also a little bit, I used to coach um, Taekwondo. Oh, okay, uh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Correct, correct. Yeah, so uh, back in NTU, uh, I mean, I, I was a player there and then after that, I also was a coach. So in terms of coaching, it's kind of the same thing, right? You, like a lot of, you know, people are white belts, they go to black belts, and then they are, they are new to competition, all these things, right? They, so you have to let them, give them try, try out and, and make mistakes and then you coach them along the way. Uh, you need the patience, basically, right? Uh, otherwise, you, you, you just give up on them and there's, there's nothing they can do. Yeah, so I, I guess maybe from, a bit from that as well. Got it, got it. Moving forward to the, like after you got the funding and everything, what, what's the happy ending for Payware? Uh, I, I think we, we were, so we expect, by then we expanded to Philippines. Uh, we had a, we had a partner, a telco uh, in the Philippines. Were they a client? So like how, how is their connection? Yeah, you? in the first place, in a way they are client. Um, it's kind of partner, they kind of resell for us. So in a way they're a big giant gigantic reseller for us in, in the market. Um, so also naturally when we wanted to raise the next round of funds to, to grow faster right we kind of go to them first right hey, you know, um, since we are really partners in this market uh, invest in us and then we kind of take this to other markets yeah and we were quite we have quite a good relationship working relationship with them um, so surprisingly they came back with you know um, you know we, we just want to buy you out buy you out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was a bit of a surprise to us um, and Run through that thought process, like they're gonna buy your baby. Uh, yeah. like, like, were you shocked, happy, later? Oh, it's over for me, or that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think a mixture. I don't think we are super elated back then. Uh, because we weren't really looking to sell at that point. Uh, but it also gives. It's a tough decision to make because the other decision is to reject them, right? And then you kind of think, oh, if we reject them now. I mean, one way, one thing to think about, one thing to think about is if we reject them. Are they still going to be our partners in the market? Ah, right. And it's a big market, la, Or right, a significant it's, market. It's a significant market. I mean, considering that back then, uh, for, for between us then, um, and if we are not partners, because we're selling through them, right? A lot of customers are their customers, right? Are we going to lose that market? That's one thought. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Right. That's one thought, and that would potentially the consequence of rejecting them first. Correct. Uh, because it's a bit different. They are not a VC, right? They are like a real business running there, and then we are using we are selling through them, so they are like a supply our uh, partner and stuff. So in a sense, they have a little bit of leverage, right? Um. Then the thought is, no, if we reject them, so you might you know lose that, and then would that be harder for us to get another investor because we can't lose a big market for us, right? So that's definitely. So that's why we are no, we were not elated back then because of this possibility, uh, to be frank. Um, uh, and then of course we talked to our investors as well, our shareholders and all these things. Um, they so our shareholders was like, yeah, I mean, okay. So so frankly, back then we, we although we are growing in in Southeast Asia, uh, of course our product is very similar to Shopify ah. right and we we know about Shopify right? it's great. we kind of started around the same time and then we know oh, Shopify is, is really big yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it grew very quickly right? and, and the mechanics in, in Southeast Asia is very different from in the US in terms of funding and, and the market channels and all these things so uh, although at that time we kind of 
uh, quite a little bit different in the sense that we, at the back, back then, payment methods were very fragmented in Southeast Asia. You know, there was no grab pay and all these things, right? It's, it's very fragmented. So we were one of the few that actually have all these different payment methods in each country that's integrated our product. So that that's, gives us some kind of edge. But we know that you know, one day, you know, payments could be stand, you know, uh, standardized, you know, Shopify coming, all these things, right? So there's a big track coming in potentially. Are we equipped to deal with that? Uh, of course, one stance is to, you know, believe in ourselves, we can do it, right? You know, we, we you know, grind out, I think we can grow and compete, you know, and then we can compete with, with Shopify and whatever is coming wow, in, right? Okay. That's one stance to do that, huh. right? Um, so, so, of course, you already know the story ending is that we decided, okay, this is our first foray, right? First true foray like, into entrepreneurship with VCs and all these things. Um, let's um, let's take the deal. <laughs> take the deal. Uh, and, and, and we also discuss because after the quiet, we're going to work with them, right? For 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 you no know, foreseeable future, right? So are we happy working with them? So honestly speaking, they were good partners, right? So we like the people too. Uh, and if we join with them, they have a bigger team, much bigger team of engineers that we can work with and develop the product faster. So at the end of the day, we decided, okay, so in a way, it's good for our investors, right? They get their returns. Uh, it's good for our employees, you know, they are kind of secure in a way. You know, those with options to cash out. Uh, it's, in a way, it's good for our customers because we have more engineers. We can build things better, faster. Um, in a way, we, you know, kind of cash out, you know, and, and you know, kind of have our first little victory kind of thing, yeah. you know, to celebrate about. So we decided to, to take on the thing, uh, yeah. Uh, accept the, the 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 acquisition, yeah. So I think to now no regrets about that. Uh, we are happy with that. It, it's not like a you know gigantic acquisition and stuff, but it's it's still something that kind of validate our effort over the years. Yeah. So after that end, right? I'm just curious. Like, there's so many ideas, opportunity costs, right? There's so many things that you might have wanted to try, right? And how did that le- led to Jim Ford? Yeah. Okay. So. After the acquisition, you kind of usually the founders are bonded, right, to work for the company. How, how long was this bond? Yeah. Three years. Wow. Which is long. Uh, long yeah. yeah. I think long. maybe we should have negotiated a better deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so oh, looking you know, back, looking back. Looking back, back, yeah, really, really. Uh, back then, I would have negotiated differently if oh. back then. But um, yeah, so it's three years. And uh, you, you always have that in your mind, right? Whether what you're going to do after three years, you're going to stay on and stuff. Uh, and frankly speaking, frankly speaking, to be honest, as a founder, you do lose a bit of motivation uh, after you get acquired fully, right? Um, and joining a big company, there's definitely also difficult things. Uh, you know, hierarchy. You hierarchy, right? Um, and there's different Procedures. departments, all these things, a little bit of politics to deal with. Um, so it gets a bit draining jaded i guess in a, in a way it's like another corporate environment that you have yeah 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 in. yeah so i'm like, <laughs> like okay <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, shit. i'm pretty much okay then i'm like okay let's 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 do the next thing right so actually back on my mind i was thinking of you know, after the three years maybe i'll just take a break you know uh you know chill, chill do a you know, read, read a while, listen to podcast yeah. or maybe i'll do a podcast or whatever you know, kind yeah of you should <laughs> <laughs> you know the kind of thing like you know just 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 chill for a while lah, and see what I, what to do uh, but I think just maybe this is my and that was a time where I started to uh, try to exercise a little bit again oh, yeah okay, because okay. You know, so I was pretty active in school I was like in taekwondo and stuff I right? Com- joined competitions all these things right so I was pretty active and training 
for maybe a couple of years even after graduation. But as you know, you know, with stars and stuff, you kind of like kind of lose that the time physical and, and physical age lah. And then no, I wasn't putting on weight and stuff. I've always been a very skinny guy. So and I was still a very skinny guy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, and like, okay, let's 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 do some work lah on myself, right? Since so frankly, after acquisition, yeah, a little bit more time. And uh, you're not uh, like pulling twelve to sixteen correct, hours. Correct. 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 Yeah. And then like okay, let's 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 put some attention back to myself now. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, let's work out a little bit. And get like, those gains. Yeah. Let's get those gains. Get get a bit more muscle. You know, you don't want to be skinny all your life, although still am. <laughs> still trying. <laughs> no lah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's when I started on uh, interested in fitness. Um. Uh, watching YouTube videos, you know, working out, uh, trying try different things. Um, going back to also my Taekwondo training a little bit back then. Um, but you know, as you get older, I don't get, you don't really want to get kicked that much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Age yeah. comes in. Yeah, age comes in. So so I just want to you know, train myself. So so I started exploring gyms and all these things. Um, then you know, I encountered those problems I talked about earlier. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, it ties in so nicely. Yeah, correct. And, and, but as I exercise, right, I realized that actually it's good for my productivity. I realized that, hey, I'm going to work, like, I feel better, I feel more energized, I feel a bit more creative, right? I feel happier in general. So I realized, oh, actually, you know, then I kind of, when you do research and stuff, oh, exercise actually do make a person happier. So I think, oh, actually, the fitness industry is actually doing a very good thing for people because if people get fit, they get happier, you know, they get more productive in general as a whole. If everybody is exercising, right, the whole society will be in a way better. So I thought, oh, actually, it's quite an interesting thing that you could go into and you know be a deliver some kind of impact to people's life, yeah. Uh, and then I'm thinking, but there's no solution for people like me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's when I really started to. So I started to draw a, a list of friends that I know they work out, or rather, different profile of fitness people. So people who go to the gym regularly, audience segment. Work out. Yeah. So I talk to every single one of them. Um, you know, tell them about my this idea and stuff. I still really haven't fully formed the idea. I kind of say that I wanted something very private uh, and using you know, tech to make it totally you know, unmanned, you know, people DIY. I mean, you that's know. your expertise from Paywell. Right? Yeah, correct, correct. So yeah, like, you know, that everybody do things can do by themselves. And there's no interference from salespeople, for PTs, all these things. So I started to with all these friends and stuff. Like, um, that's, but I was still not very serious about it. Uh, I was just- into, oh, You were still serving your bond? Like? I was still serving my bond. Oh. Still serving my bond. <laughs> Sounds like a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Then, um, uh, and then, so then a friend told me about, so I was looking at, so then I was, I was staying in like HDB, right? I see a lot of empty corners in, in the HDB. And then there's fitness corner. I don't know every HDB fitness a bit, corner. A bit, a bit lame. And then like, oh, cannot use my raining, cannot use, too hot, cannot use. Then like, everything's body weight. I, maybe that time, you know what, if I cannot do pull-ups, right? Then how? Yeah. That's not a thing, right? So, so I said, but this, this tiny corners, if you could only use it. Make, put a little bit shelter, have some aircon, yeah. right? People can use it as a gym, right? And people in the neighborhood can share, right? Yeah. Uh, and then just take turns using it, like, sharing the time and space for that. So, so I just had the idea. Um, so then a friend told me, hey, why don't you use shipping container? I said, oh, oh wow, that's a, that's never thought of before. Right, I was thinking of exploring different. I was thinking of using cardboard, uh, aluminium, <laughs> different, yeah. different crazy idea. Yeah, so so then I started really exploring that. I'll kind of explore how do you get shipping containers? Can they be rented? Can they be modified? Uh, no kind of materials, how light and all these kind of how, things. How, so. do, okay, how does one get a shipping container? Like, so there are like the first one you got, got at One North, right? One like North, where, yeah. where do you, like, 
You just yeah. asked around, ask, 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 ask yeah. until. Basically, Google, man. Oh, Google. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I asked around. Uh, so my friend had contact. I mean, he was the one who recommended me in, in the so shipping container. So he was in the shipping industry. So he had contact. I Googled for sh- containers that uh, spy shipping container, rent shipping container. Oh, yeah. Right, they pop up. Right, so you just reach out to them. Um, and, and yeah, then, then the next challenge is where to put it. You can't just put a shipping container yeah. anywhere, right? Like in in Singapore, Singapore, at least you need to get anything. <laughs> yeah. license, like, so yeah. correct. So back then, I was still not very serious about it because like, can I really do this? Like, who will let me put a container anywhere, right? So I basically write in to people that are contacts that I know. Basically, I was, my office was in JTC, front off back then, right? All the, all the staff. Um, so I wrote in to the JTC officer who was in charge of my unit. I wrote in to town council of Tampines where I was staying. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we weren't expecting much. Though. I just like, hey, I want to have this idea to try out and stuff. So fortunately, the JTC, the one of people were very supportive because they try new things. Um, they, I think they had plans to kind of build some confidence kind of corner, all these things. Lah. You know, build some amenity. Uh, because my pitch back then was my angle said, you know, in, in one of you have stars and things, but there's no fitness, you know, for, for, for entrepreneurs, right? They need to work out, you need to de-stress, right? So that's so the angle of my pitch. I, I guess, fortunately, but I But your experience already, right, by then? Like, yeah, yeah. Really so I guess with that, I can fine-tune the pitch a little bit. Yeah. So I, I kind of, so I think that's what they were looking for. So they offered me a piece of the, the, the land to try out. And then I was like, oh, wow, okay. So actually, I was, so back then, I didn't realize that some of the hurdles that, you know, once I talk to people, people say, you can't do it, lah. No, nobody let you put a container anywhere, right? Um, and then like this model doesn't work out, won't work out. And then I realized that actually if you try it out, sometimes you might get to a yes, right? And then you can move on to the next step. So just solve one problem at a time. So that's where, okay, so I solved the container problem. I solved the, basically how to build a structure problem. I solved how to create to get a space problem, right? Um, and then the next step is basically just build, building out the thing, right? Um, and then of course you think about capital, right? How much money, well, then people say, well, you need to buy, continue to buy, uh, gym equipments, all these things, right? Um, and then you, cause, and, and then like, how, how are you going to break even all these things, right? So the, the risk is quite high, the capital outlay. So then I kind of again break it down, like, okay, container, can I rent them? Can I buy a secondhand one, right? So I, there's, there's rental option available, mm. uh, but I can How much does it cost to rent a container? Uh, oh I God. think back then, I mean, I'm maybe sure. maybe two thousand a month, a month. Or something okay, like that. Okay, okay. It's, it's it's maybe not too bad, right? Or two to three thousand, I can't remember. But in the end, I chose to purchase a secondhand one, uh, because I have enough belief like, that I can you know stretch out the business long enough to to generate returns. And everything right now is based on personal money, like not VC back. Yeah, correct, correct, okay. correct. Yeah. So back then, I because I had through the VC back and all this 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 experience, I was I was quite determined to try out on my own. Uh, no, no, take as much control as for for myself as long as possible. So. So that was my, my mindset back then. Um, so, but again, I break it down. Okay, if I purchase a container, actually the worst case is if it doesn't work out six months or one year down the road, at least I have my own personal gym for six months. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and I can actually resell the container back. Is this the fear setting workshop like my team? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, I think okay. I did that. I think I did that for oh, wow, this. Okay. Yeah, so submit it. I can sell it back, right? So I don't make 100% loss. I can still get back some of the thing. Same thing for your friends. <laughs> Yeah, same thing for gym equipments, yeah. right? So, uh, and and then of course I learned enough that I do, I didn't build the app right from the start. Uh, I kind of get software off the shelf, hack together a system that makes it look like it's automated, but it's actually not. Uh, to try it out. So that's some of the learnings like from previous startups I to yeah. figure out. So I kept the cost pretty low, and then 
So my, my whole thought is let's just get it out as low cost as possible. And then you see how it goes, see what the customer's uh, feedback, all these things. Uh. Yeah. Now how's the initial traction at one off? Uh, actually, I, I would- well, How long did it take for you to develop confidence that this is it, I'm going out? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say the first month was pretty bad. <laughs> um, but in a way, because it's my first brick and mortar, no, click and mortar, I went, okay. Because the previous experience were all digital, right? All in the net. Infinitely scalable tech solutions. <laughs> yeah. There's no physical thing, yeah. right? But this is the first time you have physical thing. So it's pretty magical to me. The sense that wow, from an idea, something pops up, right? In, in the physical world. Um, so, so that was pretty magical to me. And, and because of the physical presence, right, people can't help but notice it, right? It's bright yellow. It's very, the color is very distinct. Correct, correct. So, um, it, so, then in a, unfortunately because I started in one of where all the entrepreneurs are right and all of them are naturally curious what the hell is this yeah so then there will be people trying out and all these things so um, and and I think what well, more kind of spread they to try out and then we, I talk to the customers and all these things um, and interestingly other developers see the same thing landlords are basically right so you can oh this is a very interesting concept like what about my area where I don't have a manatee that I gym for my customers, for my tenants. How, how, so is this feasible? Is yeah. this feasible? Correct. So, so both sides, once I kind of reach out to them and they reach out to me and then kind of discuss. So when I, the, the point where I think is something that this idea is feasible is that um, developers start, start, start starting, starting to reach out to me yeah, to see whether it's something they can try in their area. Yeah, they said, oh, actually, this is the angle that we go, go, go about as well. So that's where then we started the second pod. Um, and we kind of see customers, uh, the, there's increasing customers uh, in the sense that when I talk to them, I realize that actually a lot of people are like me, like they really want a privacy. Yeah, even though our gym is very small, our equipment were not fantastic back then, right? They just want a private space and they want to work. So there are actually a lot of people like me and... And yeah, that's what I said. So, so there is a market demand for that. I wouldn't say market demand, customers demand for that, right? I don't know whether the market is paid enough yet. But having operated, and then we, I realized that my our, our model operating cost is very low because there's no manpower. Uh, the space that we're using are usually unutilized space. So I could negotiate for something pretty cheap rental, right? And that's basically our operating cost, right? And cleaning, right? Cleaning. Uh, so then I just you know basically okay so back to my financial back I do a financial modeling how many users do I need per day to actually cover the cost to break even how long to break even and I said actually I don't need that many customers per pot to actually even just to cover the cost so I think that uh, so given that if I could plan all of this in let's say because I like industrial areas right given each industrial area have like a few you know, thousands of people I just need a small percentage of that small market share of that right and I a small footprint small percentage and I can really cover the cost then so I think oh then this model can work right in terms of economics wise, so that's where I started to grow the thing, yeah. Then, uh, TR, no, not TR, but how did it escalate so far? Uh, I'm I'm interested in the part part where how did you know to transition to a franchise model and how do you like uh, create something that's okay something that like a blueprint that you can really sell to others? Like when did that transition happen? Was it happen? Did it happen early on or was it part of the plans from the beginning? Uh, not part of the plans. I, okay, I think earlier on with uh, when you when I started building pot by pots, right? And I realized that the process is pretty similar. Of course, we evolve like in terms of how we build, what kind of materials you use, and all this stuff. But in terms of run, and once you build the app, everything, the system it kind of quite 
auto run right in terms of right, operating the ports. So I realized that um, it is quite a replicable model in terms of different ports. The, the franchise idea did come to me early, uh, but I didn't really want to do that yet because first I didn't know how to run a franchise. Uh, I've never done a fr- run a franchise business before. Uh, and I think I wanted to fully develop the so-called SOPs, right, the operating thing, uh, before just for myself and my own team to run before we talk about franchise. <coughs> um, so there, so as we add more pause and stuff, we, we go into end pass and different things, right? Uh, we started getting more and more inquiries for to franchise the thing. Uh, was was it something that you were telling? Oh, we are out for, or is that no. people ask about it? Uh, so we get some inquiries. People ask about it. And then I decided to not say our franchise yet, but just to find out whether there's even more demand. So we created a little page, own a pod. And it, we do some you know, Facebook ads and stuff to see you know, how are the inquiries coming in. Are there a lot of them? So it, we do, then we get a lot of inquiries from, from that channel, you know, in Singapore and overseas and stuff. So I said, okay, this is something that people are really interested in. Uh, but we still haven't started the franchise yet. <laughs> I think, of course, Halfway through, you know, COVID, COVID came, circuit breaking, all these things, of course, then you can't really start a franchise yeah. back then. Yeah. Uh, but in a way, it gives us time also to develop our processes well, uh, to really understand all the single steps, documenting all these things down. So then come really the decision whether, uh, but, and then, because as you know, as you scale every pot, there's quite, there's a bit of capital investment involved, right? Uh, and we, if we want to grow faster, we can't grow it organically. By, by investing more capital, we need to either raise funds, we get bank loans, or we can go franchise, right? So, or we can just slowly grow organically, right? Just one pot by one pot, one pot by one pot. So, um, back then, actually, personally, I had two choices. I either, I keep as smaller teams slowly grow, and we, are, we were really profitable. Then I thought, okay, yeah, I can just like, you know, keep it small, you know, take some money, and then I just relax, like, you know, don't, don't do so much, right? Or, Move I on to the next thing. <laughs> I move on to the next thing, right? Or I could try to do the franchise well. Hopefully it grows and then you know, go, go overseas all these things and, and grow the team. Uh, so I think in the end, m- maybe just the competitive nature is like, okay, yeah, let's just got something. Let's just try to grow. I talk to the team, the team, you know, yeah, let's try to grow this big, much bigger. Uh, I think, and I also think that because a lot of customers um, like it and I feel that it's beneficial to if I can reach out to more people. Because, because the back then, allocation not so much, right? So it's, still pretty inconvenient for some of the other users they can't come to our ports and use. So I feel that if I grow, then you know, I can reach out to more people, you know, then more people can enjoy our, our services and, and stuff, right? Um, so then we decided to open for franchise. And so that was really the catalyst, I think. Uh, because once we open for franchise, the queries come in, we've, we work with them, and then the franchises basically, you know, they, they find scout the locations with us and they can grow more quickly. So that's where we grew pretty much from I think 16 pots on our own, 20 pots on our own to around 40, 50 Over span pots. of six months, one year? Uh, we started the franchise, op- we started open franchise last February, last March. So until now, it's about one year to four months. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's the story of the first franchise that, that we went through? Is there a story behind that? Uh, uh, I, I don't think particular story, but basically they can first come in the first one that kind of um, accepted our offer our, 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 we brief and then we give our, our terms and all these things they accepted and then they, they found our location and then we just got started of course back then um, we were very honest now this is our first time doing franchise you also have to trust us that we will there will be some mistakes made and we will try to probably rectify it for you and stuff so uh, fortunately definitely the first few franchisees that we accepted are people that we either friends or friends referred 
that we know that you know there's some rapport to build with. Yeah, because we understand that there's going to be some mistakes made. It's your skill with the VCs also, like yeah, yeah, you know, definitely, yeah, <laughs> a so, life skill, life skill. Yeah, I think definitely when you're trying something new, right? I think to be honest, like, be honest, people, okay. Yeah, then like, uh, we will we know these things. We try to do these things. There will be some things that we need to figure out later on. Uh, but you know, we work together with you on that, lah. So so at least they are sure that we will not like leave them halfway and then not do anything to them. Yeah. What's next? I I know that your opening in the United States is the is your vision now to really to dominate the world. <laughs> uh, I think we want to bring the pods to as many cities and places as possible. Um, so as you know, we we just started in Chicago, three pods. Um, okay, so so that that is something in terms of pods, that's something that we really want to grow. Uh, but also along the course of our business, right, we talk to our customers, we realize a lot of them s- still lack the awareness or, or knowledge of how to train by themselves. Uh, so that's where we are looking into next. Uh, basically now we provide a space for them, right? We have like tools and gym equipment and all this for them. But how do we help them get the knowledge? Because I realize there's a lot of like TV panels, a lot of infographics, Correct. like how to do this, workouts, videos. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we actually did was we actually started installing smart mirrors in our pods. We actually program it ourselves. Uh, we created content for people to actually at least follow the workouts to start training. Yeah, so at least that helps somebody who's new to the gym, right? That at least they can watch something and do. Um, and, and because it's a mirror, they can also look at their form at the same time they're doing it. Yeah, uh, but there's further intention to develop that because that like, smart mirror actually comes with a motion sensor and camera as well. Wow. So okay, we are at the same time also developing uh, with partners, you know, how do we capture their motion? And actually guide them along how they do the how they do their exercises. Why is unmanned in the pod? Yeah, so that's something that we are working on. We are pretty excited about that. Uh, we also know a lot of personal trainers use our pods for their clients. Uh, and vice versa, clients bring their personal trainers in. Uh, but we realize that personal training can be quite expensive for most people, right? Uh, so we are currently we have, so we actually bring our own master trainer to develop content, training content for our users, as well as we are now currently developing a model where we can make personal training on a subscription basis rather than a per workout basis. Uh, and, but keeping, so keeping it very low cost and uh, but still customizable, personalized for, the, for our users. So that's something that we are looking to launch pretty soon. We're actually trying out already in beta phases, you know, secretly with our, some of our customers. Um, and we get pretty good feedback. So the idea is that um, but personal, do uh, you get a personalized trainer? Uh, you get a personalized program. We actually get you on a wearable. Uh, most people have a wearable nowadays. Sorry, a what? A wearable. Oh, a wearable. Wow. Yeah, a wearable. Okay. Correct. So because in traditionally most physical, uh, personal training, right? You, the coach only trains you during that your when your period, right? So do you read between trainings? Do you actually don't see you or, or what? You right? want to hold them accountable, is it? Why are you eating the McDonald's? Yeah. <laughs> so. In, in in a way, yes, but in a way, we, are, we I realize that it's not important. It's not just important to look at during the training phase, but also look at their recovery. What are they doing outside of training? Are they recovering well? Are they eating well? Are they sleeping well? All these will factor into how we customize the training for the next workout. So that's where my team is building. You know, using more Something data. Something automated. Science. Wow. Okay. Correct. So. Uh, and it also helps the personal trainers because they don't need as much time face to face. They can look at the data, craft the program, right? Teach the program and then send it to the client, right? And, and do that and in a way it lowers the cost for them when it lowers the cost for the trainers it lowers the cost as in general for the customers as well right and then we can bring this to more people to get personalized training wow yeah. okay we're, like 
how how so was this something that you discussed with the team or is your idea that you wanted to do this or naturally like what you see this is just a general direction that you want to go in uh, it's definitely something we discussed with the team uh, not not entirely from myself with the team with the customers you know customers tell us the problems right and then um, we kind of figure how to fi- how to fix this thing uh, so we kind of came out the, pro- the, the, the at first then we always try to tie, tie it to a little bit of tech right um, how to, and then you know, looking at latest trends people ask more and more people are wearing wearables and we're thinking how do we use this data to help them uh, get gains the correct yeah so so, so, so that's, where, that's where we're at now yeah can I ask I know you're doing a lot of things right how has your experience at Massive Infinity helped with your experience at Gymport because I know like you're currently a, a director of sorts at Massive Infinity right? so Massive Infinity basically is the remember the web development company that I talked about when we were in school uh, oh basically is that evolved uh, over time uh, so it became a mobile app developer um, and a lot more you know, consultancy. Was, is it run by your, your school your ex So oh, my okay, ex-schoolmate okay. currently runs it. So I'm personally not involved in the day-to-day uh, anymore. So so he runs it. Uh, and yeah, basically from there, I, I think that is that company is always a special place like the sense that that's the first one that we kind of started and we kind of learned a little bit from there. Things kind of spin off from there. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. All right. All right, David, I think you've shared a lot. I'll move on. Thanks so much for sharing all this uh, thought process. Uh, if I can ask some general questions, right, in one, one year from now, right, what's the best thing you want happen to Jimport um, that will make it the best day for Jimport in one year's time? What, 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 need, what will need to happen in one year's time for, for Jimport to have its best year? Uh, I would think, I'm hoping that we can open up in at least three more countries. Wow. Uh, Which countries are you looking at? Oh, uh, so obviously we opened in the, in the, in the States already. Because I can imagine the States, I mean, the opportunities are just so much. It's like a, it's a big country. Lah, so yeah. 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 So, there's definitely the States uh, and that is a big you know, piece to, to chew on. Uh, but I'm also looking at some of the, the more Asian countries. So, like, you know, Taiwan, Korea, Malaysia, you know, nearby kind of things where we could we, we think because most of them are the urban cities, you know, dense cities, uh, where we could the port concept will actually work there. We think will work there. People want privacy in a certain way. So that's something that we are hoping to to grow at. Uh, so that's on the port side. And like I say the the I really hope the training aspect of things that we, we are working on can um you know more people can take up personal training, um, you know, get fitter and stuff. So that's where and that's like our next service and next business line, right? And that's I would think one year from now, I'll be happy you can see, see that take off and another um you know a few thousand you know, people on, on mm. that. And that's of Singapore growth, do you want like two hundred pots or is that like a or it really depends one step at a time for 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 yourself? Uh I, I think from the start, uh I set myself a goal of hundred pots. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean you're yeah. on track to reach it, right? Or Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I was thinking hundred pods or basically a pod in every vicinity, um, estate, right? Ah. Be estate, every every estate, so that it's accessible to. So nobody has an excuse that gym is too far away, yes. right? I want to make that uh, go. Uh, so, but of course, we have to look at the economics. Right, the more you do and stuff, you you kind of have have quality that, control, quality control of these things. Yeah. So we work definitely more closely with our franchisees. Um, how do we do that? But definitely, we are looking to grow definitely more pods. I think 100 is still a very feasible number. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for sharing your journey. Uh, as the as a real entrepreneur, I just 
there's so much things you have done, right? I'll move on to more of a quick fire, uh, short fire, non-business related questions, right? Um, what is one, what is the lie you tell yourself the most often? If any. Everything is going to be okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. okay I, I'm not sure if that's a lie or... I, listen, in a way, I do, I do believe in it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but also, of course, of course, it's, it's an extent, la, like yeah. it will be okay, but yeah. it won't be okay. But then it's where your problem solving abilities comes in right. to write things yeah. down and solve it, yeah. and re- actually realize to make sure that it does not become a lie. Yeah, correct, correct. If you just think of everything is okay, then yeah, of course, then you won't do anything about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's opposite for you because correct. you will do something to make sure that it's not a lie. Okay, okay. Uh, if you could tell yourself, if you could tell your younger self any one thing, what would it be? Believe in yourself a bit more. Wow, okay. Should people pursue their passions? Wow. Uh, if the passion... Okay, uh, okay uh, sorry. I, I know it's a short, 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 short answer to the city, but... <laughs> no, I, no, no, feel free to elaborate yeah. because I'm interested to know your general thought process. Uh, I mean, there are like some books that say, oh, you shouldn't pursue your passion. You should be good at what you do. If people suck at what they do, should they pursue their okay. passions too? I, I think in general, I say yes, pursue your passion, but I will caveat that it doesn't mean that pursue your passion as a career. Yeah, you could pursue your passion while you are working on, you, are, you have a normal job and all these things, right? Especially if your passion is not going to be something that uh, I would say realistically doesn't really fit you, right? It doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, fit for your family. If your passion is going to be that, then you could like still do a normal job and, and do a passion you know, and the side hustle and all these things. Yeah, so I say yes, but not necessarily as a career. Are you doing what you're passionate in? Uh, I would say... Or what are you truly passionate about? Okay, I know I'm trying to many questions. Correct. Uh, honestly, running a business is not all... No joke. Not all I'm super passionate about. What I'm passionate about in, in building products, creating things. You know, I, I think best my childhood, I want to invent stuff, right? Uh, so I want to create things that people can use. And that's what I really enjoy about, you know, figuring out things, how to how to people. So that's what I'm passionate about. Uh, but of course, running a business is, is more than just that. You think about growing a business, hiring people, managing people, you know, firing people, um, you know, talking to investors, you know, marketing, all these things. So, so all these things are certain interest to me, but the main passion about is really building products. The, the possibility of you moving on from Dreamport is always somewhere in the realms. Possibly if you have grown it big enough and you're not uh, excited about it or if someone buys it over. Is it? I, I think in a way, because uh, as the company grows, right, you have to grow along because the uh, at different phases of the company, they need a, they require a different CEO. Uh, so that to me currently is still very interesting because it's a kind of challenge. Like, can I grow into that kind of CEO, right? Uh, and so so to, for right now, at least I still see that I will want to carry on growing that. Uh, but if I feel that in one one day or what that I feel that I'm not up to the task or it's not something that I'm interested in, then yeah, I'll be happy to you know have an RCU take over or you know, be acquired or you know, depends on how, how it goes mm. from there. Since having yeah. started Gymport, how have you changed as a CEO? Uh, or how have you grown or how have you, yeah, how have you changed as a CEO? I, if any. <laughs> I, I think definitely very subtle changes along the way and then it kind of compounded. Um, what are those subtle changes? I, I think to a large extent, I am too nice at the start. Uh, it's not a bad thing. I kind of you know, build, build relationship with people. But there are certain things that I have to be a bit more decisive on, to be more 
ruthless on and stuff um, to, for, the, for the sake of the company. So I think that's something that I have worked on and still working on. Uh, but I think I got a little bit better at, and just to be a bit more firm uh, in my own decisions and um, yeah, to tr trust in that and move on. And I think I also learned a lot about growing people and my, my staff, um, you know, how to how much space should I give them, but also how much control I should you know, look into you know, guiding them. Yeah, because you can't give them too much space as well. Yeah, so that's something that um, I learned. Um, I learned about you know, one to ones uh, in the company is very important. One to ones, okay. Yeah, so I don't I don't used to do that in the previous company. Uh, but in the gym pod, initially I didn't do that. Um, but later on, I know I read books and stuff, right? So they say no. What books? What books? Uh, I think like the hard things about hard things. Oh, okay. Something okay, like that. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I learned one to one. So I try it out and. It's a bit awkward for me uh, sometimes, uh, but it's, 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 I think, one of the best things that I did uh, uh, you know, to, to understand my, my stuff and then grow ideas from there and you know, pick up problems early. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm. On the note of books, like, like what resources do you think has helped you in this journey? Uh, okay. Like you talked about mm. the habit of reading. I don't think you like an avid reader. Like, do you pick mm. up reading eventually or how Yeah, I pick up read. So I actually read a lot when I was young, a lot of fictional books, and then I kind of stop it into my teens and adult life. So I picked up reading again around the time after I got acquired, I think, more, more free time again. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Like, it keeps you hit space. Like. Yeah, yeah, correct. So again, developing myself, right? Back then, so I was like, okay, let's, let's oh, exercise. Gym, gym and, and read, you know? Okay, yeah, so okay. let's, let's sharpen my tool again. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of books... Um, so hard things about hard things. I think zero to one, I think pretty common. Um, also books like Men's Search for Meaning, something like that um, by Peter Frankel. Not so much on business, but more of a philosophical uh. approach to things. So which is quite important, I think, for, for, for entrepreneurs to be a bit more chill about stuff, you know, look, look at things from a different perspective. Um, so, so these are, the, I think, well, offhand, uh, Four-hour work week, definitely. Tim Ferriss, yeah. Big fan of Tim Ferriss, obviously. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I listen to podcasts, so I have to read his book. Uh, frankly, initially, I thought his book, because of the title, right? I really think it's like, oh, you know, crap, you know, can, how can it work four hours kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah right. Um, but fortunately, I, I gave my chance to read it. I realized it's actually not about that. It's, it's, it's totally different perspective. It's about leverage. Things. Yeah, it's about leverage. Yeah, so, yeah, quite a few books that, that um, off my mind, zero to one, and such for meaning. Hard things, but hard things, definitely. Um, what yeah. are you reading now? Uh, right now, I'm reading the book by Tony Fadell, um, the Apple guy, ex Apple guy. Of course, the title of the book. Uh, she's the new designer for iPod. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, it's quite a new book, I think. Um, so basically about his experience and how to how he built products. Mm. Yeah, which products. is what you're obsessed with. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, last few questions, I promise. Um, if you're a parent, are you a parent? Yes. Oh. A what? Uh, what? Uh, one, one child, one daughter. Oh. One daughter expecting another one. Oh, congrats, congrats! Yes. What are the top three values which you want your children to get from you? I get uh, okay. What top three values for them to have? I'm not sure we'll get from me, but basically, I think. Um, what do you mean not sure get from you? Me? Don't <laughs> have it, huh? uh, to be to be grateful, I think. Um, you know, in, in, in the things in life, uh, patience, 
Uh, second value. Um, third value, I will say um, courage, probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's the meaning of life? Oh. <laughs> okay, sorry. I know very deep. It's just like like yeah. passing questions. Uh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone has a different answer to you. Like, just wanted to just get your POV. Given that you yeah. have like read all these books, like, yeah. What, what's your yeah. perspective of what's the meaning of life? I think the life? meaning of life to individual changes as you grow in the different phases. At the last time, to me, my meaning is that I must build something that is that can, will be immortalized, right? That that you know is a legacy that people knows about centuries down the road. That to me was the meaning of life. Was uh, no. was um, what changed that? I think what changed was since I have a daughter. Probably. Ah. Yeah. How old is your daughter? Coming to two years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and to me is really being present with with people and uh really guiding you know it could be my, my, my child my employee or my, my, my customers you know to, to get better so uh, I now I seriously think there's no really particular meaning in our life our, our life is really just very finite and short in the grand scheme of things right but what we is what we make most of of it lah. and uh, I used to say you know me and I is to you know, try to be happy but now I think more of I just try to not to be unhappy okay try yeah. not to be unhappy yeah so I, I think it's very hard for me to pinpoint what things make me happy, but I could pinpoint what things make me unhappy. What makes you unhappy? Yeah. What makes me unhappy? Um, uh, things like, you know, worrying over stuff that's going to happen that's not out of your control, for example. Um, things like uh, talking to, having to deal with um, people that, that, that you, you just don't want to deal with. And then sometimes you just, you know, carry a fixed smile and then talk to them and stuff, <laughs> right? So this doesn't make me happy. Um, so certain things are like little, little things. Yeah. Sometimes it could be just as little as a uh, small little annoyance. Um, like, I, I don't know, like maybe commute or whatever, right? So you just find a certain way to, 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 to turn it around and then you, you just don't, don't, don't feel so unhappy about that. Yeah, just, just to turn off the little annoyances. Uh, yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay, I know, I know. Last few questions. Uh, what's the best advice have you ever received? I would say, because uh, this is from my Taekwondo coach. Basically, he told me, uh, trust in yourself, believe in yourself. Yeah. What's the worst advice have you ever received? Worst advice? Things you wish you... Like, what? Wow. Uh, this, I, I don't think there's really a worst advice I really received because I think... It's really how you use the advice that matters. Yeah. Because you're a person that gets a lot of advice, but it's just how you apply. Correct, correct. Which is the because most I think most of the advice that come... Okay, I, I guess... Okay, I don't like getting advices for parenting, I guess. <laughs> wait, wait, you don't like getting advice for parenting? Why? It's unique uh, to... I, I, okay, rather unsolicited advice for parenting. Unsolicited advice? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an yeah. example? So, so, so for example, people... I mean, older folks are people like, you should... Like you should school your kid, or some people say you should not school your kid, or some people will be like, uh, you should uh, you know, make her sleep early, or you know, the kind of things, different, different, different things. But I think every parents and every child have a different dynamic. So if it's unsolicited, then yeah, not welcome. <laughs> so can I have an unsolicited, unsolicited parenting advice from you? <laughs> what, what unsolicited? Uh, unsolicited. Oh my god, some mouthful. Uh, what what unsolicited parenting advice do you have? <laughs> Uh, and in your own experience yeah. that is valid to you I would say enjoy the time that you have with your child really cherish it 
because obviously a child has, you know, they will throw tantrums, there's, there's good and bad times, right? Uh, I think cherish even the, the, the so-called the naughty and bad times because those times will eventually pass because they will grow up and stuff. And it's very fast, very quick. So that's, that's yeah, my advice, I guess. Okay, on that note, what relationship advice would you give to your younger self? Wow. <laughs> uh, maybe don't, don't be too afraid of commitments. Oh, don't, oh, so were you afraid of commitments? I think there were, there were So what changed? <laughs> I know I'm asking the same question. What, what, how, did your wife change your mind or your life change your mind or did like, entrepreneurship change your mind? Don't be afraid of commitments. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's just... Uh, Three-year bond. <laughs> commitments. Okay, actually, I want to switch a little, change a little bit. Just that, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess my earlier research, I was afraid of the commitments. That's why it didn't work out. Uh, even I just, there's, there's no particular reason for the relationship. I just, for, for, for breaking up, I just uh, walk away because I, I was afraid of committing further. Um, so I, I think, but fortunately, I, you know, I met my wife. I think you know, life's change and stuff, right? And then you you kind of realize that if you don't commit, you you can't get any fruits out of it, out of the relationship. Yeah, a fruits baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, okay. Last two questions. I need one for LinkedIn. What what career advice do you have for your younger self? Don't be afraid to try new things because you think because you think that they might fail. There are big chance of failure because the risk of failure. Um, it's usually not that big. You could actually mitigate them. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Okay. Very last question. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, okay. This is very general. What life advice do you have in general? Life advice? I, I think... Or life philosophy? Huh. Um, I think in general, man, really is... Uh, try not to be unhappy, man. Whatever things makes you unhappy, you don't do it, right? Uh, and um, realize that all emotions, I mean, the, the, most of the unhappy stuff is caused by yourself internally, right? You might be, usually we feel angry at like someone or something, but it's actually because of ourselves. We can just let it go and then you kind of don't feel that, right? Same things for worry or anxiety or these things. Yeah, so I, I think that is... That is, that's what my advice will be for, for, for people in general. All right, Damien, thanks so much for coming on this podcast. Is there anything you want to share with the world? Uh, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I think I've shared my, my stuff. And just for the world, you know, be kind come, to come everybody. Come Yeah, come have your own private time. Uh, yeah. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah, on, on a more serious note, yeah, definitely go out, try, uh, try and try, try Gymport. The, the facilities, I mean, I've tried it. Uh, very nice. I like the privacy aspect, la, like, like like you have the whole pot for yourself and you can just have a very efficient workout Last, if you go to the gym you need to like, one hour one hour plus but you go to the gym pot you can just take 30 minutes of focus time and just get your workout done so yes definitely try it I'll leave everything in the video description and I hope to see you in the next episode thanks so much Damien thanks JJ thank you